0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 434. I had to really think about that, because there was a feed drop a bonus episode on Friday, so I need to do all my maths. But yeah, 434. Thank you for tuning in. This is one of my favourite chats I've had. I've, I've messaged the guy I had the chat with. Why am I being mysterious? It's, it's Youssef Koukour. I've messaged him two or three times since we recorded this in like end of November, I think it was. And I've messaged him two or three times to say, man, I'm still thinking regularly about our chat. And it was a real connection, you know. I'd I'd become a fan of Yousef as an actor. Um, and we then kind of connected on Instagram, I'd say about a year ago. And I'd kind of said, oh, I'll have to get you on at some point. And then it was going and seeing him in House of Gucci and... Pirates. Yeah, I saw him in House of Gucci and Pirates and really enjoyed him in both. And then I think he he posted something on Instagram I enjoyed. And we set up this conversation and man, was there a connection. He's got an amazing story, for starters, proper downplayed as well. I don't know why this story isn't blasted out everywhere. It's insane. The stuff he's been through, the ups and downs of his career and life. The hardships, all sorts. It's it's mad. So um, I think you're going to really enjoy this. Uh, and then there's loads of stuff of his to go and and watch. We touch upon stay close on this. At the time of recording, I hadn't seen it. I then binged it in like two days and loved it. I'm a big fan of of Harlan Cobb and Everything he does, I really enjoy his. his as we talk about his partnership on net with Netflix, because there's a real variation of approaches. Yeah, Youssef was amazing. Like, we're talking this about the Dracula redo, reboot, the Mark Gatiss one. We talk about House of Gucci. We talk about loads of stuff. It's a really good conversation, and you're going to enjoy it. So, I'm going to stop rambling on. As ever, we're brought to you by speech of Loads of good stuff there. Patreon.com forward slash Pip. if you want to support the podcast for as little as a a, a dollar a month, I think it is, or a dollar. 50 a month but in general i just want you to enjoy this wonderful chat with the amazing yousef kirkour Right, I'm here today with
1: Yusef Cookout. How are you, man? Hello, I'm good, brother. I'm good. I'm super happy, super
0: psyched to be here. I'm really excited to be talking to you, and it's 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 even more exciting because I wanted you on about a year or so ago, off the back of Home and Criminal, yeah. which I loved and thought was massively kind of under. Under shouted about, so, but then since then you've done a lot of stuff that's worth talking about. So it's kind <laughs> of worked out perfectly. <laughs> but but how are you in general? How are you in yourself in these strange times and all that kind of thing? I'm very well, I think. I'm
1: underslept. We just had a we, our second daughter's just been born. Oh wow! As a matter, you know, it feels like days ago, but it's about a week ago, and um, that's new. So we've got newness of that front in our lives. Yeah, congratulations, uh, man. Thanks, man. Huge. It's it's wonderful. uh, It doubles the paranoia and the fear and the anger at the injustice in the world. It just doubles it. (laughs) That's that's been my first
0: immediate reaction to it is like, Mm. fucking hell, man. I'm really, yeah. Not the perfect time for the government to be... Acting absolutely oh, no. shambolically. That's gonna. It's no. gonna have you even more heightened. And I gotta right? be careful because I can. I can really. Uh, you know, the
1: injustice of all of it just can really send me into a very bad place. And I try yeah. not to. I, I try and be very. Uh, yeah, I gotta measure my measure my responses to it all. But right now, it's right now, it's good. I, I, my, I'm. My personality is suited very well to difficult times where you have to hunker down and like, yep. and, and pull out your backup
0: yeah flashlight and you know, all that stuff i'm 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 good with that you know so oh, i mean you will have needed that it's it's weird weirdly paralleled with i, I recorded a few a weeks ago with will sharp who oh, yeah who i absolutely adore i think is amazing but he's just had his second kid and he's got two huge projects coming out as he's having his second kid and it's kind of, of similar yeah, yeah. within two days i went yeah. to see pirates and house of gucci which oh, are both big releases, you know, <laughs> yeah. in in the cinema and that. So, how have you found the balance of your kind of promotional responsibilities, I guess, and the excitement of again, particularly we're going yeah. to talk about House of Gucci. Particularly, you're in a film with Pacino and Adam yeah. Driver and all these people. So, the excitement to promote that, but then yeah. also your responsibility as a as a dad.
1: It's in- it's interesting because this the fundamental response here is what kind of performer am i and what how do i approach my uh job and i've never i've never actually been one for massive promotion of myself i've never i've never paid for personal pr i've never i'm not i'm not a face in the magazines kind of guy i'm just I don't think my you know I don't think fashion retailers would want me to wear their clothes I don't I'm not sort of suited to that and I've spent 22 years kind of avoiding that side of things not getting invites to premieres even though I've been, I've done amazing projects but you'll never see me doing any of the publicity for them. Mm. Uh that's kind of just the way my, the dice have fallen for me and it suited me fine until I had kids <laughs> and then I was like well because because it affects your it affects the bottom line it affects how much money you're offered when you get a job and in 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 cold hard brass tax terms it has a knock-on effect on on your perceived status in the industry which i did not give a fig about i i really I, i it upset me when i was underpaid and i and i'm continually underpaid and that upsets me but i can deal with it but with kids. And you know, not owning our own home and all this stuff. It's like, okay, you need to wake up now and start doing. There is a reason everybody does it. So for, for for pirates and House of Gucci, I made I I got onto the red carpet and had some pictures done and all the rest of it. And it's kind of a new thing for me, man. Juggling that promotional work, I certainly wasn't asked to do any interviews for either of them. I am um, always I'll always do an interview if somebody asks me, yeah. Um, but I don't sort of seek it out. But for these two movies, it didn't happen, and that's not unusual for me, regardless of what. You know, when Home came out, I didn't do I didn't do any press for the first season of Home. That's, and mad, that's kind isn't it? Of, it's mad, it's mad, yeah. But it's also there's other
0: things to consider. You know, there's it's not, it wasn't my show.
1: Yeah, I was a relative. But, unknown I mean, co- you
0: were a key part in the show. It kind of was your obviously uh, sure amazing people writing and and starring in it. But still, it's you. Yeah, it's also it's very much a, your show, along with obviously Rufus Jones and everyone sure. else involved. But yeah.
1: I think that was a. I think that was a balance and a tightrope that that was walked a yeah. lot throughout the filming of the two seasons and, yeah. and uh, and and at its worst, it was feeling lonely and not understanding why I wasn't more part of things. And at its best, it was a, a feeling of being part of a big family and we're all in it together and stuff. And it's and and you know what? That's pretty typical of like a working environment and the working, the working day. And in the, and really, if I'm completely honest you know when i don't get an invite to a premiere i'm hu- i'm hurt but it's just ego it's only it's only the worst bits of myself that are affected i tr- i try very hard not to live with that because what i really want what i really really want is just to be at home put my feet up and watch television watch a movie and drink a cup yeah. of tea that's what i really genuinely but, but want
0: it's interesting isn't it i'm really I'm f- fascinated by what you were saying there about never having had a PR team or whatever, because I've been having similar thoughts this last month or so, because when I started interacting, I'm only five years in, but when I started into it, I got approached by a few different people and I was like, no, I don't need PR. I want to work. I want to do good jobs. I don't care about that side of thing. But then five years in, I'm kind of going, well, that does also affect the good jobs that you get, you know, that perception and that thing. So it's the first time I've started to think, Well, maybe as the new year turns around, maybe I should be having talking to people and getting someone on board to kind of go, you know, Pip's an actor now, right? He's not just a podcaster or a rapper or whatever else. You know, he's like, that's the main thing. And he's working on scripts in development, stuff like that. Because I was under the illusion. That if I just knuckle down and work hard, your work will generate. It all work. happens, yeah. yeah. And it's nah. like, nah, you've got. It's kind of what I love and hate about this industry is you've got no yeah. control over it. In music and in podcasting, I had complete control. If I write an album, I can release it on my own label. I can plan a tour. I can do all of yeah. these things. Obviously, yeah. have booking agents and an amazing team, but yeah. you can take control of your destiny. And this industry, again, the beauty is I'm working on scripts and stuff like that. But if I didn't yeah. have that. Man, the gaps in between jobs, the gap, hard. gaps in yeah. between moments would be crushing. Yeah. I mean, I, I always come – you know,
1: people comment that I'm always very practical because I, I really do come down to sort of pennies and, and pounds and mm. cold hard reality of our business, yeah. which for me is what generates the artistry, the inspiration, yeah. all that stuff. And you can't turn your back on – you need, to, you need to fucking make a buck. Yeah, You need to get paid and you need to be able to afford your rent. You need to not freak out about your bills every month because yeah. then you start taking work that you don't want to do. Then you t- start taking substandard work because it's the only work that's offered. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to be somebody who has to self-promote to fuck, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm swearing a lot. I'm allowed to no, swear. Yeah? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. If you not want to be somebody that's self-promoting yourself to, to death, you need to find... Uh, uh, ways of making of of ensuring that you can pay your bills which is why i always tell people to do a lateral move and get something going on the side that is linked to the industry but not like voice work for example yeah just take the take a year take 18 months to perfect all that and get yourself an agent get yourself a reel so that you've got that ticking over yeah uh, so that you don't have to worry about where the money's coming from and what
0: you're doing um, exactly how I am with the podcast yeah. and and and, yeah, and those things correct. now is is I can go like again the amount of times I've had a conversation with my agent where I've had a, an offer or something and I'm like Right now, you go and do your thing, but know that I'm doing this. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> if, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you negotiate too hard and it falls through, I'll end up doing it for free because I really <laughs> right. like this project that's and right. I that's want right. to be involved. Yeah. So. I mean, that's really good because <laughs> that's thing. Um,
1: but yeah, those that kind of, those kind of jobs move your career forward. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is you got to juggle, you got to decide what, what's most important for you. Like, you know, the the paycheck, the people you're working with, the script. Like, what is it, and what moves you forward? And I've all I, I think that. Um, I mean, take it from me, after 22 years, work doesn't just generate work. Like, the people who know you generate work. And you can put in a couple decades and you'll know enough people that your your worth is recognised in their eyes and they'll want to hire you. But there's a reason why people get somebody to get on the phone and be like hey you know that they're in this project that project can they be a part of your promotional material all that stuff and i had a conversation with a pr person just before the house of gucci premiere just on the phone a really amazing lady named teal from bespoke pr i'm happy to plug her she was just she gave me just a very very long phone call where she just explained how things work Mm. and she was like by the time the premiere comes around it's too late all the work is done in the months leading up to that and that's and that's basically her and a uh, team on the phone, or or a PR person and their team on the phone going, "Hey, uh, we noticed that you know they're they're a big part of this project. How do you feel about including them in the promotional material when you go to Europe?" And blah 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 blah, and just constantly fighting your corner so that by the time they come to promote the movie, you're a part of it. And it's about, it's this terrible word, brand. It's like, what's your brand? Well, that's their job is to find out what your brand is. And she said something that I'm happy to share here, which is it can be whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, You don't have to be have all your picture. I don't, like, I don't want that picture of as a magazine stuff. And she goes, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be in GQ or model anything. You don't, if that's not what you want, then don't do it. Yeah. We'll just tailor make a way that you want to present yourself to the world. How do you, how do you want people to see you? Who do you want to see you? And, like, that's it. So that I, I love that idea of it. The problem is it's, expen- it's expensive. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking expensive. And, like, as she was saying, you know, the best time to do it is when you've got a big project coming out, you're in you're one of the main parts, yeah. and you're going to be a part of the promotional stuff anyway. That's the best time to begin. So that's where I'm at right now. You and I are in the same place, which is really it's funny because you said you're in it Stop five it. years, yeah. and I'm yeah. in it 22 years, we're in the same boat yeah. because it is an industry where somebody with no talent can get the highest quality work because of how they've promoted themselves. Yeah. Unfortunately. And then now uh, they won't have the respect that others would have. And so you just have to say to yourself is that is the respect more important or not? And for me up till now it's been more important, but now it's like okay, I oh, I've got kids now. I can't I can't be I can't be getting these amazing projects and being offered a pittance. Yeah. You know?
0: I think I think you're completely right that it is also it's it's a balancing act because it is still you yeah. you Everyone will have that actor that they look to and go, "Yeah, that's the career I want. They've not done yeah. it this way or they've done it their own way or they've done yeah. this and I was, I was listening to uh, J- Jimmy Cummings on, um, on, on films to be buried uh, with recently. And again, it's weird timing because it's at a time where <laughs> a month or two back, I decided that all the shorts I've been working on, I'm just going to make them. I'm going to figure oh, it out. I'll fund brilliant. it. I'm not going to wait brilliant. for anyone's... A, a permission and there's even a feature now that i've got that i'm like i think we can make that quite sh- cheap and listening to will sharp who him and his mate did that they spent 30 grand and made a film and it kind of kicked off his career and jimmy cummings C- 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 everything he's done and his new film the Beta test is one of my favorite films of the year but everything he's done he's written produced directed and been in because yeah. he was like he kept asking people to d- do any of it for him anyone to produce for him or direct for him or put him in stuff. And he wasn't getting anywhere. And he's now done three films on the bounce that yeah. I think are great. And it's like, right, that's it. You just turn around and do it. So I think there's nothing better than making your own
1: art. And so I think just to go back to something you said previously, which was having control, mm. uh, other people having control over there of what, the, what they can do, yeah. and like with music and stuff like that. And I've always had this, because you can extend that to artistry, like, I I always used to have a real angst about uh, actors not controlling their own art, not yeah. being able to generate their own art, because you were everybody's an art, everyone's an artist, yeah. uh, and no matter what profession you're in, but actors certainly are. And it's very easy to lose sight of that, especially in England. In the in, in America, it's different. Now, when I lived in America, the artistry of of things is important. Yeah. You know, actors call themselves artists. How are you doing? I do. I want, you know, as an artist, I think I blah 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 blah. But you don't yeah. really hear that in England. You kind of lose you lose that that edge of it. And I've always, I was always um, perturbed by the fact that I couldn't. Like, my, I have my friend Ishmael's a sculptor, and uh, went and stayed with him upstate New York in some you know cabin that he was living in. And it, in, in in the morning, we all made coffee, and and he he would say he'd put he smoked a cigarette, and he'd be like, "Okay, I'll see you later." And he walked out across the you know the grass to a shed, and and we watched him go to work. Yeah. But not just, like, for a job, but like, go to work as an artist for his art. Yeah. And and there's a, you know, there's a scene in Pollock, and then people who know me are so bored about this story, but I don't know if you've seen the, the film Pollock with with um, Ed Harris, yeah. you know. Yeah. And there's just a scene before he discovers his sort of, like, drip paintings. He gets up in the morning, he's hungover, he comes down the stairs, it's all in silence. Marsha Gay Harden gives him a cup of coffee. I think it's Marsha Gay Harden, yeah. Puts a lit cigarette in his mouth, and he's he's sort of barely responsive, gives her a kiss, puts his jacket on opens the door and goes out to work and that's the scene of the artist getting up getting their shit together and going to work on yeah. their art and i was just obsessed with this idea how can i as an actor do that i'm desperate for that i want to go fucking create something but if i do that i have to become a writer yeah. or i have to become a director or more often than not i have to go and get myself into the best shape possible so that i can be the conduit for somebody else's art yeah you see and i and that, that's that's something that is that weighs one down after a while after you've been doing this job for a long long time is where do you find the artistry and what you're doing yeah. and balancing that against the practical needs that we have and just fucking okay, living in society and i think yeah you have to it comes down to you know what i just got to create the whole fucking thing myself yeah the whole shebang yeah and then and then be my
0: be the actor within it yeah you know and and, and then the thing that strikes me again i always call back to um my touring days and whatnot when i tour just as i'd start to get bored of club shows it'd be festival season and you have a great time you're in fields you're in tents it's completely different and just as you are getting bored of that the festival season's over it's time to tour again and it strikes me as that i feel if i can But bury myself in projects where I'm the complete creator, control of everything. I'm going to be so happy when I get when I don't have (laughs) to do that. I'm like, oh, I get to turn up and just focus on one element of this of this project. And I think that might be the balance I've been I've been uh, looking for this time. Um, But I mean, I mean, can we talk about your journey a bit then? Because you've you've you've, it, it feels like you've got a real reasoned and kind of educated mind on. On the world as such, and you were born in in Morocco, right? And then at some point you were in New York and then London. What was the general journey?
1: The journey journey is my mum's English. She moved to Morocco 50 years ago, something like that, uh, with my dad. Uh, I was born and raised in Morocco till the age of 18, but I went to an American school in Morocco. Yeah. So I, I grew up with the sort of American expat community and knew everything about America, everything. I was totally Americanized. By the time I left uh, I got into Bard College in upstate New York and um, at the age of 18 that's where I went to uni. Uh, I did four years there and then about two years in the city as an actor uh, just jobbing. I I, I was extremely driven. I had a lot of energy. I embraced a real bohemian way of living. I didn't have a place to live for almost two years. I was completely homeless. A lot of park benches, a lot of Wow. subway station floors, lots of that. And and, and the majority of the time on, on couches and floors of the most kind and generous people the world's ever known and acting the whole time. And in America you know in america they train you to and and then i moved to england after uh, september 11th happened and i was in a show the show was an internet had an international tour element to it but my all my visas that i was applying for were all kind of denied anybody oh, wow. anybody who was arab yeah it just the lawyer just came straight out and said it she was like look you're arab it's going to be really really hard just for at least five years, you know. You've got a British yeah, passport, your right. mum's English, go to England for five years and then come back. I thought, oh, all right. that's all right. yeah, And so, so I moved to England and kind of started off from scratch, you know. And I'll tell you, the culture shock from America to England was bigger and worse than the culture shock from Morocco to America. Really? What were the oh, kind man. of main things that, that, that jumped out at you? In, in my second night in England, I went for lunch at a pub, in a pub, and I over, and I was sitting next to like three people who were also having lunch and they were having a conversation about something that chimed with me. And I leaned over and I just started talking, yeah, you know what, well, me too, you know, that happened to me as well, like blah, 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 blah. And they looked at me like I had three heads and there was this massive pause and, I, and then I apologised and I went back to my meal. And I thought, wow, that's, in New York, that would have been a no-brainer. Yeah. You overhear a conversation, it chimes with you, you give your two cents. For all you know, if you guys connect, you'll be working together by the weekend. Yeah. Making a short film. Uh, that's yeah. how, that was my life. Yeah. You know, people are just, I always said, America, the walls around the country, America, are so huge and impenetrable that once you're in, the walls around the people personally are so right. down. Wow.
0: Yeah.
1: And I found in England, the walls around the country were at least perceived to be sort of open and welcoming. And therefore, the walls around the people were fucking mile a mile high. Yeah, You could not penetrate. I, could, I couldn't penetrate. I had no friends. No friends. There was – there were I, – I, you know, I, I, I needed an agent. I needed an equity card. I needed all this stuff. And I found – found ways of getting it, you know, I found there's this place called the Actors Centre in Covent Garden and one of the courses that I could, you know, I paid 100 quid and did a course and at the end of the course there was a little showcase where we could invite people and I invited agents to that and I, I got my equity card based on the work that I'd done in America and I just what hustled was, it.
0: What was the course?
1: That- it's called Sitcom From Scratch. It was just a Amazing. a guy a guy that just sort of created a little sitcom sketch for yeah. you based on your personality the, the 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 basics and the fundamentals of sitcoms and stuff. I just uh, you know I, it, for me it was just about the showcase at the end. I yeah. just thought because in America you know you're con- you're constantly looking for ways of of getting an invited performance where you can invite people to maybe get an agent or more work. Yeah. And so I was in that mindset and I just found this place and hung out at the Actors Center and there was uh my my friend Darwin Shaw uh uh, in one of the classes I took on the first night, he went, "Oh, you're just in from New York," you know, and he he just sort of took me out uh, for a drink, uh, introduced me to his friends, and he was the one person I knew. And right. but of course like, we weren't mates or anything. I just knew this guy, and, and that was it for almost two years until I thought, "I can't, I can't do this anymore. I have got to go." So I went to I, I applied, I went to each of the main drama schools, you know, the big, the big five, and yeah. I just asked for a, walked in to get a brochure, and I just thought the one where I can feel myself. Going to, is the one I'll apply to, which happened to be Lambda, and and now yeah, like I congratulated them when I, at my audition for being the one I chose, <laughs> and that and was it, right. man. I did it. Went, went to Lambda and started again. But um, yeah, it was hard, man. It's fucking hard. England is tough. It's yeah. really, really, really hard when you when you move here. London is tough. It's yeah. so spread out. You know, I had, I had a mate of mine from my high school, uh, a childhood friend of mine, who moved to London. And I
0: didn't see her for five years. It's just impossible to get together especially if you live far away it's amazing how the breakthrough can often be knowing that one person or two people or whatever else i always remember when we used to tour i thought la seemed (laughs) terrible i didn't like it at all it didn't appeal to me at all and then when i went back years later and knew a couple of people there it was like like, a different city yeah because that's because LA is the opposite of New York in that way as well. It's not somewhere where there's just you can can walk from yeah. bar to bar and bump into yeah. people or mate. It's like it's very yeah, it's you're mass- going yeah, here spread. for a specific time and that's yeah. it. There's no mix in there. You can't bump into people on the, on the corner or whatever. Yeah. I I I tried to live in in LA at Santa Monica or wherever <laughs> when I was 18. My plan was to go and tra- and, tra- and travel around America for a bit. And I related so much to what you were saying then because I I only lasted under a month because yeah. I just didn't meet anyone and couldn't wow. get and it occurred to me in the UK at eighteen I'd been going into pubs and clubs for a few years in America I couldn't get in anywhere so it was even yeah. harder to just be somewhere yeah. where you can say hello to someone it's like that's right you can't be on the street and walk up so I'm going you're right well mate uh, uh, what are you up to. It's like, That's go right. Away, yeah, go away. But so yeah.
1: the, the irony is, if you sit on a park bench and some old guy sits down next to you and he strikes up a conversation, you know everything about them within yeah. five minutes. Yeah, it's always let me tell you, let me yeah. tell you, I'm 85 years old. I got five kids. One of my kids, and it just, it just, it just, it just comes out. Yeah, and you just, really you just need to yeah. find those little pockets, which is, which is, I think the takeaway for for all this and for me especially is that. As people, we, you know, it's very easy to lose track of the fact that we just need, we just need love and care, mm. and and other people to sort of. We need community. Mm. You know what I mean? And like, we're. We, it's very easy to feel displaced, even in your own, even in your own setting. Like, you're never going to go wrong trying to connect with another person. Do you know what I mean? And like. Yeah even on the, even on a film set, for example, when like an extra, that was an extra for years in, in New York. And I just know what it feels like. You just, you feel like furniture when you're on yeah. set. And so I just make, I always try very, very hard to make everyone feel like a person, you know, that connects and that, and that also generates your reputation and your work and all the rest of it.
0: Yeah, completely. So, so I'm going to fast forward Please, all the yeah. way and we're going to be doing some back and forth. F- no worries fear not. Man, yeah. Um, but I want to talk about House of Gucci, because I absolutely <laughs> adored it, and and I'd <laughs> oh, seen thanks. that you were in it, so as yeah. excited for you anyway. But then I didn't know how in it you, as you say, you weren't kind of necessarily giving yeah. big promo on it. But you've got a great role in it, yeah. and you get to have scenes with Pacino and Adam Driver, who I'm equally excited about. I think Adam Driver yeah. is just fucking amazing, and Pacino is obviously Pacino. So how was that? To get the role and then to and then to be working in that in that world.
1: So you you and I are beautifully bearded, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a big part of our identity. Yeah. Um, and I did a series in in Italy a couple of years ago where they needed me to shave my beard, and it was it was horrible. I'm very very overweight. And it's gross. But I had a couple of pictures in my back pocket, and I get I get a, a, a self tape through for this part, and the character's name is Namir Kirdar, and it's based on a real person. So I do the self tape. And then we send it off. And I just uh, and, and and I Googled the guy before I did it, of course, just to get a little idea of what he looked like. And I saw, actually, do you know what? He kind of minus you know the eyes, even the eyes. Actually, he, uh, he kind of looks like me hmm. without the beard. So I sent off the self tape, and then I and then I uploaded loads of pictures of me shaved from that Italy job to my Instagram. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I just flooded it. Yeah. And I just thought somebody somewhere is going to check up on me and hopefully see that there's a bit of a resemblance. Yeah. And that was it and then I and then I got the the amazing call uh that, uh that that I'd got the part and it's wonderful. Really really lovely. And you know it's a part that called for some Arabic but also for some western stuff. And, and it just it, it it's the kind of parts I I get, you know, especially mm. if there's Arabic involved and I've got a bit of a look, uh, look up and I looked like the guy, so it was great. And my big takeaway was Adam Driver. I see why he is at the level he's at. Yeah, he's the he's the real fucking deal. Yeah, he really is phenomenally good. Yeah, and I say that because he doesn't take himself away into a corner and ask you not to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't fucking psych himself up before a scene. Just very quiet comes on he's very polite to everyone he has a conversation with you polite conversation polite conversation and he's got that beautiful state of relaxed concentration Mm -hmm. that you just sort of that's the goal when you're acting right yeah you just you you you're you're totally focused totally concentrated but in a relaxed way right you're holding the sword with a very loose pinky
0: it's the absolute zen point because it can go either way it can be as you say the guy taking themselves away and being kind of over the top, or the guy who's trying to who just doesn't impress everyone on yeah. set, kind of <laughs> yeah. like, trying to be everyone's Correct. best mate, and there's a balance there. It's like, Correct. I, I love that, that polite conversation, but still clearly focused and taking it seriously. Seriously, Because, again, yeah. it can throw you if someone is kind yeah. of like, hey, let's have it." then, all right, yeah, let's get I, this
1: done. You know, I've always, <laughs> and I've always sort of, it's not the way I work. To, like, I do so much prep beforehand, Yeah, so much. That when I'm on set, there's n- I got nothing, no more work to do. Yeah, I can have a conversation with that. You're not going to throw me because yeah. I've already done. Yeah, I've I've done more shit that you, you know, and I've done stuff that will never come out on camera. I've prepared stuff that you'll never see, but it's Mate, in my head.
0: I'm, I'm s- s- similar, p- partly because I've got a stammer, so I will have prepped this because the character hasn't got a stammer. So there'll be so much stuff that I've done before, and it's like, yeah, no one's going to know that because no one's going to watch it and go, oh, that guy's concealing a stammer yeah. it's like no no this is just <laughs> i've put the prep in here but yeah yeah you need to to and again partly is with me as well it's it's lack of confidence if anything it's going right mm. i need to know that i've done everything exactly because i'm not just going to be the confident dude going oh we'll f- figure exactly. it out today." let's blag it exactly so, nah. and, and
1: you know what when you're working with these sort of big iconic names right you know, names that you grew up Mm. that you that, that you were taught about in school, and then all of a sudden you're working with them. There is an element of... The words curiosity is coming to mind. It's not necessarily curiosity, but there is a question over, can I do it? Mm. You know, you hear soldiers, you hear sort of these special forces soldiers, they all say the same thing. and I, I joined I, because I wanted to go right to the heart of it, and I wanted to see if I was capable of doing it. There is this element when you're working at the sort of tip of the spear, and in, in, in the most sort of... Top, top, top one percent of the your field. Not that I, not that I'm that, but I found myself with people that are considered to be that. Mm-hmm. Who am I going to be there? What, what, what? How am I going to act in the scene? And there's a there's a line when I'm set opposite Pacino, in the movie, and my character says, uh, "Just first, let me begin by saying there's no bigger fan of this company than myself." And and my line is to be to be able to finally sit down with a member of the dynasty is a memory that I will cherish forever. Now, that that was my line, memory that I was I will cherish forever. And the, the guys to my left and right had no lines in that scene. You know, and Mehdi Nebu, who's on my, uh, the, the, the right-hand man, is a f- phenomenal actor. I was a huge fan of him. He's, he's an incredibly, he's a massive actor in Europe. Right. And he'd worked with uh, Ridley on Body of Lies and and he just wanted to be in, in another Ridley movie. So he took this part, <laughs> you know, just sort of sm- he just smashed his ego against the wall and, and, and came in and did this part. And I sat there and I had this moment where I knew that for posterity there would be my face saying to Al Pacino, to be able to sit with a member of the dynasty is a memory I will, is is something I will cherish forever. Yeah. And I knew it was this powerful moment that I would be able to recall upon in years time because that's me, it could be me talking to Pacino as well as my character talking to him. And I had, I realized that these two guys to my left and right who had no lines in the scene also felt the same way and what was I going to do this is a silly stupid example of what I'm talking about but when you're when you're acting on set these are the sort of these are the sort of um, massive massive decisions that get made do I take this moment for myself or do I let go of it and be the actor that I really want to be hmm. who's living in a world of abundance and not of scarcity and doesn't give a fuck and can just do what's right by everyone, and and so, when you watch the movie, I changed the line to, to be able to sit with a member of the dynasty is something we will cherish forever. Tiny little fucking thing, yeah, but yeah. my my ego and my and, and, and actors need to solidify their place in history, and in in posterity, is powerful. And I wanted to know if if being in front of Al Pacino would change me as a person, or not. And um, that was the the most amazing lesson we also had jared doing his thing and i never met jared i met yeah. paolo you yeah know? and uh i'm not going to go off on one it, just to say that i don't work i don't work that way like i said i I've, I've already done all the work yeah you know i don't want to do anything with my process that's going to mess with somebody else yeah you know what i mean an yeah, actor's yeah, yeah. process shouldn't touch another person's process Completely. then that's not that's not acting that's you yeah, as, as i said at it, uh, lambda it's better
0: to have a, a dry fuck than a wet wank and that's just yeah. a wet wank in the corner yeah. do you know what i mean <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting us literally these episodes will come out a few months apart but i was speaking to mark gatish oh, yesterday i love that dude and he was kind of talking like we talked about Dr- dracula which i'm a b- big fan of and loved you in as yeah. well so i'm sure we'll get to that but he spoke of exactly that of kind of it's really important who you are to everyone else and who everyone else is and the kind of the myth that came from things like apocalypse now that it has to be a torturous hell to make this beautiful art it's like no yeah maybe i don't want to make that beautiful art then and you yeah. I mean, know i don't want to put other people through that the, the, you know don't get me wrong
1: i i began that way i think most most people begin their career yeah. assuming that's the routine yeah you know, because pain and torture generates tension, and tension is what you what you can feed off of really, really well. We can, we need a a tight feeling inside that we then use to sort of dervish our way around the the part. Yeah. looseness and zen and floating and and ease and comfort feels like you're not doing anything. In fact, those are the fucking parts. That's the stuff that really flows. Now, if you if you haven't done your preparation, floating and being free. Send you all over the fucking shop. Mm. You need an editor on camera to make to save you, and on on live stage, you're fucked. So you do a fuck ton of work beforehand, a shitload of research. You fill your head with as much data and information you can about every element of your character's emotions, the mentality, their background, their history, facts that they might know, all the rest of it, and then you go for that ease and comfort and floaty feeling and trust. Trust that people are seeing the tip of the iceberg and not the mountain underneath. Now that's the that's the for me
0: that's the that's the way to work completely completely i i I couldn't relate more i had a point early on again i keep speaking as if i'm some veteran like you've got four times as much five years is a lot if um, you're still in it after five years five years is the quitting (laughs) point yeah you know i remember early on really really wanting a role where i have to do an accent of some sort because in my mind that's you know, I'd be acting <laughs> properly then. I don't just want to be Scroobius <laughs> Pip up there. And then the yeah. the last role I did in, in, out in Canada for this NBC show, I had a moment where I was doing a lot of, again, the beauty of the pandemic meant I had even more time to do prep on this character and really get to know it. I was isolated out there. I didn't know anyone. And there was a moment that I was kind of walking around in that character and briefly I thought, like, I don't, i went back to the of i don't want to be scroobius pip up there and literally yeah. the character just kicked in and went i've no idea who the fuck yeah. scroobius pip is because this guy anson ash wouldn't yeah. wouldn't have any idea who scroobius yeah. is. so it was yeah. that perfect thing of it's like it doesn't matter if it, it's close to me visually obviously visually no, it's going to be close know. to me but yeah. vocally or whatever else it's like no as long as i no. know the character inside and out then that's it you don't have to do the parlor tricks as such to go that's it look i'm australian how oh, great! Yeah, kind of thing. I mean, so, I,
1: I you know I, I like I like it. You know, it's an act of faith mm. to get on set and just trust that you don't have to do anything because you've already done yeah. the prep. You've yeah. already experienced the emotions in practice that you want that, that that inspire you. And sometimes all you need is a strong image in your mind of who this person is. Yeah, and that that's all it is. And you and if you just you know for for Namir in House of Gucci, I got my hand on on hands on Invest You know his company InvestCorp. Mm. Sorry. I got my hands on their financials <laughs> right? Wow! and I, I memorized their financials going back 15 years from, from the point where you meet him in the movie. Uh, I spent, uh, that was three months of, of numbers in my head, just reams of it. Like profit loss acquisitions, like just all this stuff. And, and, you know, sitting there, I just, I just saw numbers and figures in my mind the whole fucking time. I flashcards for them at everything. And I just knew that that's all I needed, man. It's so simple. Yeah. But yeah. that tells me everything everything about his personality, about yeah. his family, about everything. And I and sitting there in front of Adam Driver, Al Pacino, all these massive names, and I've got these big ass scenes, reams of dialogue, Ridley Scott there, you know, his team, all this stuff. And you just and you just I felt very, very relaxed. And it was the prep. And Ridley talks about this as well. You know, he goes he's always on time, he's always on budget, mm-hmm. he's early. He finishes raps early. He's never nervous. Nothing ever goes wrong because he's always prepared. Yeah, he just does his homework and yeah. he's ready. And I just remember, and and I and I thought, you know what? I have heard he does one or two takes. He
0: shoots with four cameras. I was going to ask how many cameras because again, I've, right. I've I've heard a few different things, particularly on R- Raised by Wolves, his kind of his multi-camera work just like it just sounds like a dream as an actor. That, that, that oh. you're literally just going right. Well, everything is. In. Everything okay. is on in, in You've each got performance. No idea. Everything you know? is on in each
1: performance. You yeah. get one take, maybe two, but yeah. he's got everything after the first time. He likes it to just be fresh. He likes you to do your thing and then it comes out, which means if you're not prepared and you're not ready, yeah. somebody throws you a curveball or whatever, Like, and he likes surprises. But we, you know, that scene around the dinner table at the end of uh, – at the breakfast mm-hmm. table in the yeah. hotel at the end of Gucci, that's an eight-hander. Yeah. That's eight people around a massive table with food – entrances and exits people leaving the table a moment before a moment after you know two languages two languages all this (laughs) shit that that any other job that's a two-day shoot yeah and we wrapped it in three hours amazing you know he wrapped a month early (laughs) who wraps a month early you know in the middle of a pandemic when the pandemic is adding time to most productions like this is efficiency and i just knew that I, I had, I, you know, I talked to Neve Algar from, uh, who was in Raised by Wolves yeah. and I, 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 I spoke to, managed to speak to her before, before filming. And she was saying, yeah, look, it's quick. Yeah. <laughs> it's one or two take, takes and you're off. So I thought, you know, you're going to have to, I have to do all my homework. Yeah. I have to be ready for anything. Plus I'm working with Pacino who, <laughs> you know, who yeah. I real, who, who what I learned, what I saw from him is very different from my school of, my school mm. and Adam Driver's school. You know, we're roughly the same generation. That for Pacino, the script is the starting point, point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and then you improvise and improvise and improvise, and through the improv, you discover things about the scene and your yeah. character, and then you shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Adam, myself, Jack, or, you know, we've come from the school of thought where the script is not the start; the script is the final blueprint. Yeah. It's the final. It's the building block. It's the. It's the. It's the concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've got to fit yourself. Sorry, my phone keeps going. It sounds like I'm incredibly popular. I, <laughs> I never get sex. The, the script is set in stone, and you've got to fit yourself to, to it mm-hmm. and make it believable and workable, you know? And there's the a director called Nick Murphy, who's brilliant in the UK director. Yeah. And he always talks about the discipline of your lines. They're mm-hmm. trying to change a line. Well, I'm not happy with this line. And he went, No, there's a fucking discipline to saying your lines. Figure it out find a yeah. way to say the lines yeah. which is completely different from like the script is there the lines are there yeah but
0: let's just let's use it as a springboard to see what happens it's really interesting yeah. one of the first bits of advice i got on acting was from riz ahmed and riz was always one who was asking me when i'm going to move in, into acting because we <laughs> yeah. knew each other from music but it was clear i was a film and on the promotion for for, for, for loads of our songs or, or records i'd always write a little skit for us to film and we got Riz in one and, oh, and Nick Frost and amazing. things like that but um he said he learnt really early on that his process is to learn the script inside out and be absolutely re- ready and prepared to have wasted his time That's if right. you know what I mean because again it's like, it's, right. he, he had s- s- so many projects where you just turn up and it's like the script's out the window and he'd, That's right. he'd go in and he'd spend the first half or first chunk of the day kind of annoyed or b- begrudging because yeah. he's like yeah but i've done all this work. it's like no no, yeah. the work was t- on the character the yeah. the work was on that you need to be. Ready for that, and that sounds exactly like it is working with Pacino. You don't want to be going in with Pacino thinking, "Are oh, we going to do it on the fly anyway?" I won't. No. Pray. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and also, big, out. you know, big productions like that change.
1: You know, mm-hmm. like they gave me a pedicure before my first scene because there was a, I was supposed to walk barefoot from my foot bath to the cupboard, put on a pair of shoes, and like, and I get there, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we've cut all that by the way, so you're just going to be sat there and, act- and it's like, okay, well, okay, if you if you're not ready to play fast and loose, mm-hmm. if you haven't if you haven't done your core Work and are solid. That shit f- throws you to fuck. I mean, it just throws you so much. It's, it, it can destabilize everything about your character yeah. because you've you've mentally prepared for something that they're not going to do. But that that happens all the time. Especially the bigger the project, the more things change. And if ever you're doing something with real people involved, you've got to be prepared for new dialogue the night before mm-hmm. because the lawyers c- go over it and the lawyers start to go. Actually, we can't say that. Right. We can't say that. Yeah, you see. Years ago, I did something called... I think that Riz was a part of as well. You know, by the way, when Riz launched Microscope, I was one of the actors. Oh, (laughs) really? Fabric in the crowd doing... Yeah, I was like some sort of government agent out to catch
0: him and his friends. Because my old guitarist... (laughs) Warren Borg was the guitarist in it and had to be like part of like acting in, in that it show. as well. Yeah. Well, then, well there we are. And yeah. I, we are.
1: He I we work with them. have worked with your your, your yeah. Mate. yeah. That's mad. <laughs> I was in that
0: show. That's it's mad. absolutely
1: mad. yeah. I've, I've, I don't you know, I don't know Riz. I've never actually I've, I asked the BAFTA to, to link us together because he's somebody I, I would have loved to talk to. So many questions for him about his experience, yeah. you know. Um yeah. but uh but but not many people know that he's a fucking talented musician especially in America. Yeah. It's bloody good uh, yeah. uh, music as well that as acting. Part of that show. Oh, I was, I I was just that. like this guy, yeah. And I love the music. I love that album. Anyway, yeah. um, I digress. But uh, Riz and I were in the show called "The Path of 911," very controversial thing about terrorist attacks in America. It turned out to be a bit of a Republican Party hit piece on the Dem- on Clinton, a, a little bit, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, unconfirmed. But it was weird. It was mm-hmm. it was a really one sided view of things. All all Muslims are. Are angry Pirates of the Caribbean type terrorists, and all all Christians are good and save the world. But I had a I had to be tortured upside down. Um, I had my balls electrocuted, and that was one of my first scenes. And I did it, and it was a fucking round of, you know, it was one of the best things I've ever shot. I really went there emotionally, prepped for it, and then I had this other extremely emotional scene coming up. I got Carvey Keitel hearing, you know, pulling me aside, going, "Hey, you the guy that they did that? I heard about that." Blah blah blah. So my ego was really pumped up, and I was ready for this massive emotional scene. And on the morning of, I'm having breakfast, and this envelope comes with a massive thick page of rewrites for the scene that day. And the words are clunky, and it's all weird. And it's basically the lawyers going, "No, you can't actually say that." And they've re- and it was, and it was rewritten to suit the lawyers. And I just couldn't fucking do it. And I, and I had to push and force. I had a cigarette in the scene, and I had to use the cigarette smoke. I had to use the cigarette smoke going into my eye to make my eye tear so that I could cry. I mean, that's how far off the emotion I was. Right, and I, yeah. I went from being this this incredibly emotionally accessible hero <laughs> to yeah. this fucking amateur that yeah. didn't know what he was doing. And that's because I held on way too tight to the original to what material. Was originally
0: there, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, I mean, if you were going to look up, you know, Film Veteran, in the dictionary, Ridley Scott would probably be one of the people there yeah. pictured. Another film that came out this year, as I touched upon, was Pirates, and that's Reggie oh. Yates as an absolute debutante director. Um, I adored it. I thought it really just caught Me that too. vibe of m- mates. I thought it was star-making roles for all three of the lads in it. <sighs> How was was that to work on? Because, again, couldn't be more different from House of Gucci. Couldn't be more different. You're playing a very exaggerated character, a very over the top uncle. Yeah, yeah. How was that, um, mate?
1: It was lovely. I fucking pissed myself laughing for two days. Yeah, <laughs> I got this call. You know, Reggie Yates doing a movie. I'm like, Reggie Yates doing a movie? All right. And they said, and 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 there's not much money in it. Yeah. I said, okay. And I said, "Well, look, send through the script. I'll read it." And, and I fuck—I was just laughing out loud. I've, I never laugh out; loud. I smile. The, the only last time I laughed out loud was in when I read the the first se- episode of Home, where I did the Marmite, the Marmite yep. moment. Yep. That made me cry with laughter, and that was the only time I laughed at a script. And with Pirates, I just laughed the whole way through. And I thought, "This is brilliant. This is like really, really, really good writing." And I'm in. And then I, and then I find out that Reza uh, Reda, who I'd worked with in, in Baghdad Central, shortly before was in it. I'm like, oh, Reda's in it. Oh man, he's one of the kids. And I thought, okay, I'll get there and I'll just have a great time. And then yeah, I just improvised a lot of shit. It was over. It was it was big, but it was big because it was uh, there was not much time to figure out who I was. And I thought, Do you know what, a guy that gets patois wrong. There was a lot that we shot that, was, that didn't make the final cut. Yeah, um, a lot that wouldn't have suited a 15 rating. But I found <laughs> Reggie Yates to be to be in the best way possible, the most, the biggest surprise yeah. in in recent history. The guy is a masterful director.
0: That's so he, he's, he's to on, hear. I'm telling
1: you this right now. He is on par with Ridley, on par with wow. the best directors I've ever worked with. Wow. As is another guy I've just worked with, Stephen Moyer. So I add up two two sort of people that you wouldn't associate with yeah. uh, with being directors who are actually natural born people working with people he just he just had a the set just felt like the most fun loving wonderful set on yeah. the planet his and he wrote the script as well yeah
0: so well that was it. I had you know, the ex- exact same yeah. reaction as you when i heard about it. i was like reggie yates has got a film yeah uh, yeah all right like I, i'm a fan of reggie but i, was like, I didn't necessarily again it's the beauty same. of this industry is you don't know what's going on behind the scenes yeah. it just seemed well that seems out of nowhere but then i saw a few of the people involved. I'm a big fan of of, of Baig as a casting director. Oh, yeah. So weirdly, I do get buzzed by what casting directors are involved. Anytime I mention this, it sounds like I'm kissing ass and trying to get work. But genuinely, there's certain casting I directors I go, "All right, yeah, All right. no, no, no I hear be, it, yeah. That could be interesting." Yeah, yeah. Carmel Cochran is another one that anytime I see her name on something, I'm like, because she does such interesting small stuff. So it's not like it's it's easy if it's. A Ridley Scott or yeah. whatever else you like or, or the Marvel people and all that kind of you're like, yeah. yeah I get it but there's certain names that I'm like I've never heard of this but if they're involved
1: I know it's gonna be good It could
0: be interesting yeah. yeah 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 no it
1: was it was definitely it was definitely a sort of all right let's just let's do it you know um yeah. and he had seen home and he was a big fan and he we got on the phone and just just hearing him talk you know he's such a, a charming guy yeah. lovely just genuinely nice guy yeah you know and, and and who knew man he's just like one of britain's best directors at the moment and he's he's I, I just can't wait to see what else he's got going he's got massive deals now with like some nordic channel he's got he's got big projects in the, in the pipeline and, no, he, yeah. and he and i and i like the way he presents himself you know he's got his he's got a, a sort of multi-layered approach to his life he's a bit of he, you know he's 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 a he's a, he's a he he, uh, he invests here he, he runs this thing he does that he promotes this promotes that makes his movies makes his arts and look he's the only director that's ever c- contacted me before the premiere and gone hey man are you come to the premiere I want you there amazing just to make sure I was going to be there you yeah know? I didn't I didn't get an invite to the Gucci Premiere you know that's Kate man, Roge, that's Kate nice. Rhodes James going what you need to get Yusuf there come on yeah and she fought my corner but you know, big, big, big glitzy things. Despite the, the, the role, I always say to people: if you look at the poster all the nine, the the, the eight Oscar winners and nominees that make make up Gucci, mm. there's a ninth character in the movie, just to the just off yeah. the poster that you don't see. And that's me, you know. Um,
0: and and uh, mad, and despite and that, you know, points, I think it, yeah, it, it, it's I've, crazy. I've I've told this story on the podcast before, so apologies to any listeners here and it r- repeated. But I did my first ever film. I did well. It was a Guy Ritchie film, and it was amazing to be part of amazing cast. Yeah. Really good, and I got invited to the premiere, and I was like, "I'm excited." It's like King I, Arthur, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. I messaged Neil Maskell um, to, yeah, to say, "Oh, are you on are you going to the premiere?" He's like, "Oh, there's a cast and there's a, um, a cast and crew screening a few nights before you come into that." I was like, "Oh, I hadn't heard about that," so I hit my agents <laughs> up. Turns out, I'd been cut out of the film, and I'd been <sighs> invited. As press, so the invite had come true <laughs> because of the podcast. So, genuinely, I was just like, Oh man, my God, I thought th- that this was my big first premiere. I'm so glad I found out because it would have been just, yeah. just hard. Hang on a minute, but,
1: hang on a minute. But I've seen you in that movie.
0: No, no, I'm not in that. I did, I did two different things after that were, you know, I did, um, The Bastard's Executioner and, and Taboo, which were both kind of more periody and whatnot but yeah no you,
1: i did the adr for arthur oh really and the crowd because i do crowd adr for my bread and butter yeah i was gonna and say i say, saw you i, saw your, I as... saw your scenes before it was cut that's no, what it
0: was. I, that, that that must be i've, I've never s- s- seen yeah. my scenes it's, yeah was, yeah it,
1: but yeah it was it was hilarious you look badass man you look really badass even in bastard ex- execution as well yeah. that's fucking really really um, it was great look that- for you
0: like I talk about this all the time. As we were talking about the kind of art and experience and that, I didn't give a fuck about being cut out of King Arthur because the amount I like that as my yeah. first ever time on set with Charlie Hunnam yeah. who was amazing and m- meeting so many really good people kind of thing. It was like, yeah, m- yeah. mind-blowing. But I, I want to talk about a few more things b- before Please, we wrap yeah. up. So uh, uh, can we talk about Home a little bit? Because that was really, it yeah. felt like a breakout thing. It felt it all sat so true and well that it felt like it was written for you so how did that all all, all come about obviously i think rufus jones is amazing as a writer and as a yeah. as a creator so, so yeah how did that come about and how was it to to get that yeah b- b- bigger part i guess
1: uh, i so i'll tell you that the the true honest honest true story i get i get a, a call from my agent or an email from my agent um the nicky bligh is looking for people to come and audition for a reading uh, there's no money in it, but it's a reading that's going to be done for the BBC, a uh, new sitcom. And they're auditioning people for the part. And immediately I was like, fuck this. <laughs> like, fuck you. Don't <laughs> fucking audition me for a reading. No, you know, if it's a reading and it's unpaid, you know, fucking give it to me or not. I'm like, fuck yeah. that. And, uh, and I said that to my agent. And then he went, well, look, I'm going to send you the script, you know. I did I wasn't so angry but I was just like no 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 I'm not gonna, I'm not I don't audition for readings I'll do readings but yeah. I won't audition for it. And he said well look they've sent through the pilot just read it. It's essentially auditioning for an audition basically it feels like it's like auditioning big. for something that's going to go nowhere that no one's yeah. going to see just in, insiders yeah. and then you're not going to get paid for it. And I read this this episode and I'm I'm like this is this is I've never seen anything like this before in my life. This is an English an Englishman writing for potentially an English television channel an English network putting the main character as an arab and he's a nice guy mm-hmm. and it's and this is and he and this came when when katie hopkins and all these people calling refugees cockroaches and all mm-hmm. stuff that just you know stuff that makes you cry with anger do you know what i mean like i i, I had many moments like that if you feel that lump in your throat how unjust all that language was and so I read this pilot and it was just like a, it was the, it was just this bomb, you know, it was this bomb and Gilead mm. that I just thought, wow, I can't believe I'm actually reading this. Yeah. And I thought, and I, and I got, I told my agent at 1000%, make, let me go audition. And my plan was, cause I knew I never get these parts. I don't get the Syrian refugee part. I get the people smuggler, the guy smuggling the refugee. Yeah. That's, those are the parts I play, Yeah. you know, um, Wendy Spawn, who used to be casting director at the National, there was a part for an Arab professor. And, and she even, she contacted my agent once and went, you know, Yusuf, this isn't really right for Yusuf, but does he want to audition? <laughs> <You> know, it's <laughs> like, like, and I was like, no, okay, no, I'll play, I'll play the guy that kills him, but I yeah. won't play him <laughs> yeah, exactly. But my plan was, I must go see this man, Rufus Jones, mm. who I've only known from a, from an advert where he's dressed up as a knight. Yeah. You know, carrying somebody out of an office. Yeah, that's the only, that's, that's it's that guy. Yeah, and I have to tell him to his face just how brilliant what he has written is, how important it is, and how much I want to help off camera. Yeah, any advice, anything. I just want to do it because this is so important. So I went to that audition. I swear to God, with the intention of simply meeting him, mm. telling him how much I loved him. And of course, I was nervous. And the, the first, the only thing that came out is, "I love your politics, man," <laughs> <laughs> which he, which he has told before in stories. But that's that was a, a, a an avalanche of emotion, yeah, coming out as a sort of nonchalance. But I was, I just wanted. And in the in the middle of the audition, he he's also a fucking great dude, and we just connected and chatted and then when I did my thing they were all laughing and I thought oh they really like this you know and and then as I was leaving Adam Tandy the producer went hang on a minute he went could you stand side by side I stood side by side and then he went roll camera and Rufus just looked up at me and then they made a thing about my height about the height difference and Adam Tandy got this big smile on his face and then they went thank you and then and that and then I left there I thought wow actually they're not worried about the size this might be something. Got the part, got the audition, did the reading for the BBC. BBC passed, whole year went by, and then eventually it came back up again and it all sort of started. We shot shot the short with Jim Field Smith and that short kind of went around the world, you know, and everybody saw that and loved it. And then Channel 4 commissioned it. It was very hard to believe it was happening. Yeah. As Channel 4 were getting on board, or maybe even during the BBC time, I emailed Rufus and I said, listen man because i was i said because i knew what my career had been like up until that point you know as rufus says i have have a big beard i'm arab and it suits a kalashnikov very well you know (laughs) and and i wrote to him and i said listen i just i gotta say this if slash when you get pressure from the network to replace me replace me wow don't don't fight because the show is more important you have to make this series you know let cast cast the the sort of the slight mm. smaller slight a very obvious refugee type person whatever like you, you need to do that and you need to think of your show and you need to do it and he wrote back one line you're my guy it's beautiful i love That's it. it's beautiful man yeah. i fucking I know, and i know and i love him for that he changed my life you know And adam
0: tandy changed my life as well i i i, I love the fact because again this is now just a praise episode for casting directors but i love yeah. uh, i often get <laughs> those calls from casting directors saying, look, you're not what they're looking for, <laughs> but I want to show them you as an option. That's right. And they're always yeah. the most exciting ones for me because I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. And they're always the ones that I feel I nail the most because I'm like, look, yeah. I get to just show them s- something different. No one has ever gone for any of them on my, on my part. Yeah. It's always been, oh, we'll show them something different and then they go with exactly what exactly. they're after. So to hear... That you went in and showed them something different, and not only were they interested, they shot an extra yeah. slate kind of thing, essentially to go look. Let's Correct. play with this. This could be uh, this could be yeah. a key part. Uh, that's definitely definitely was the feeling, and because
1: it. it's comedy. You know, it's interesting if you mix genres with something like that. If you go up for regular drama, yeah, uh, I I I, I've, I spend years just mm. being introduced, knowing I might yeah. not get the part, yeah. and, you, and you just bank it as a as a moment. Mm.
0: When will I be what they are looking for? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, the truth, the, the key, you know, there's, there's,
1: uh, you know, if it's, if it's like, if it's like a, a romantic comedy, mm. and they want to bring you in, and you come in all bearded and mean looking, that's different. But the genre is so off the wall yeah. that actually now it starts to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that those are interesting. Likewise, one line parts yeah. or one word parts. If they want you to audition for a one word part or a one line part. Always go to it, yeah, always say yes, yeah, because the only way they can audition is by improving a scene because so they course. need to hear you yeah, say yeah, more, yeah, yeah, so you go in there and with your improv, you show them a new fucking character they never thought about, yeah, and have them go, "Oh wow, this part could be great, and have them go and rewrite the part, and you get the part that's it, happened to me
0: it's what happened on 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 taboo with me and not because of my own initiative, the first scene yeah. I had with uh, stephen Gr- Graham he felt there was a gap at the beginning. So he was like, oh, let's improvise. And we improvised in the gap and it went well. And that's why my character grew. It's purely because Steve, I wouldn't have known that. I was too, too green at that point. I was like, my role, my, (laughs) my role in this moment is to stand here in silence and watch. And Stevie was like, no, as we're waiting for someone, let's have a chat. And that, exactly that, even on set, that can make the difference. And it meant that my character was getting rewritten right until the last episode. It was like, we'll, we'll give more to him. But, um, Brilliant. I'm going to wrap things up and uh, and let you you get on your way but before I do I want to talk to you about what's next cuz one of the things that's next I'm really excited about cuz I can't get enough of Harlan Coben shows <laughs> on Netflix and I can't no. I can't even articulate why that's what gets me the most is the beauty of his deal as a writer with Netflix is some of them are getting made in fr- France some of them are yeah. Swedish some of yeah. them are English some of them are American I've watched all of them and I I devour them in like a weekend. It's amazing. Yeah. So seeing he's got a new one on the way, stay close. And then seeing your, your name in there, I was like, yeah. oh, I'm excited for this. And it comes out when, <laughs> this episode will be coming out in the new year. So it'll already be out by then because it comes out end of December. That's right. Um, again, you can see how much of a fan I am here because <laughs> yeah, I've got thanks, all the dates down and I'm, I'm ready and excited. But uh, uh, tell me about that a bit, I guess.
1: Amazing thing to be a part of and film. I love Harlan Coben's stuff as well. I Love his yeah. books. I, I I devoured The Stranger and all the rest of it. And you yeah. know, I, I just I love whodunits. So, you know, murder mysteries, yeah. Yeah. investigations. You know, mixing. You know, the, the the crisscrossing of the investigative team with the family level, like, all that stuff. You know, yeah. safe. I just I loved all that. Yeah, uh, all that stuff. Um, I, so Nick Murphy, I think Murphy was the
0: first one that that, that turned me on to him because again, the first couple yeah. of episodes, I was like. There's something about this. And I I, yeah. I genuinely didn't know if it was something I liked or hated. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel comfortable saying that now it turned out I liked it. But there was a period. I was like, I don't know.
1: So Nick Murphy, the, the director I told you, said you didn't have to d- discipline about saying the lines, is that he directed Safe. Yeah. Um, did and he also um... do
0: the Christmas Carol one a couple of years yeah. back? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I mean, he's, right. Again, he's doing really good, exciting, it's interesting good. stuff, isn't he?
1: Yeah, and he did... Um... We did not. He did shot some episodes of Night Flies, but it was very. It was great being on set with these amazing people. My friend Cush leading the charge, yeah. um, as as and you know, you, you can never go wrong putting her in in, in a project. No, totally. um, and then getting to know Richard Richard Armitage and just being being with him in the same environment, seeing how he works. Just 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 a gentle lovely lovely man Uh, we we had a really nice friendship and working relationship and our our character I play Fester who's his character's best friend Mm -hmm. Um, our relationship our character's relationship really just started to Blossom into this really, really great thing that people loved seeing, and we kept getting reports from the executive team going, "We love your scene; those scenes were amazing." And it's because Richard and I just genuinely had a lovely time working together, and he's he's such a nice dude. And and, you know, and it's very you know, you think to yourself, "God, it's it's Thorin Oakenshield in the car with me," you know. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was it was amazing. And Harlan, you know, from New York, emailing every once in a while with lovely, you know, a lot of nice praise and just being really sweet and kind. And it's just just a lovely gig to be a part of. Uh, the production team were lovely. I've done a lot of work for Netflix, and they always they're always very supportive and, yeah. and really really nice.
0: Always heard that they're really good to they're really great because they're great they're to work for. absolutely little, let's just make it we've got yeah they, they put the faith in the in in the team as such absolutely than- absolutely
1: and there's that and then there's a, a um there's a film called a bit of light written by rebecca callard who's, mm-hmm. who's just a phenomenal person and, and just the loveliest loveliest person on the planet great writer uh great playwright and who's adapted this screenplay and stephen moyer uh, Anna Paquin's husband has uh, yep. is, is directed it. And yep. it's got Anna Paquin in it with Ray Winston. Stephen directed
0: me. it. That's amazing. Because I, Mate, I worked d- with him on The Bastard yeah. Executioner. And again, he oh, was one of my favourite people to work with. He, He's just great. At first, I, great. I, I refused to call him anything other than Vampire Bill um, for a long <laughs> while. But after yeah. we got over that. But yeah, I saw Anna was <laughs> in it and I saw Ray Winston was in it. But I didn't even clock that Stephen was, was directing. So yeah. And again, that that makes sense of him as an amazing director because every He's time brilliant. I worked with him on the Bass Executioner, he had such a oversight of the whole of everything that's going on he he, he was very much in in control in his head of what the that's it which which is how
1: i like to work as well you know i like i like oversight over everything i like to know what the editor's seeing what the director's seeing how he's going to cut it i like to have a general a lot of directors don't like their actors to think that way but i'm not a fucking puppet you know i i need to you know it it affects how i'm going to approach a scene if you're going to not Use the top of it, you know. Ridley has his editor on set editing while they work. Wow! So he cuts out whole chunks of the scene because he knows he's, he'll never use it. Like that's different. And then, I, then I'll trust the process. Yeah. Um, but with Stephen, he's the same. He's he's got an overview, and he's just amazing with actors amazing yeah. at directing he knows his stuff he's gentle he's he knows how to communicate and as a cracking actor amazing. pippa bennett warner is in it as well and luca hogan and they're just it's all lovely it's just a lovely lovely project um about a really really uh important subject a woman who loses custody of her kids because of her alcoholism and she's just putting her life back together again and uh, befriends a 14 year old boy and it's this lovely lovely indie film that's going to come out by uh infinity hill the makers of uh of staged yep. um and then after that I'm, I'm i'm about to start shooting uh napoleon with ridley again oh wow uh, next year joaquin phoenix and stuff yeah which will be which will be really fun and Mate, i'm losing I didn't know about that shit one ton of weight for that but that's yeah. insane yeah, yeah. right
0: again that going was a little from uh, adam driver and and pacino to to joaquin phoenix that they're all on the list man they're all all on all the list are, Yeah, great so believe me i
1: i feel very very fortunate for it and i'm uh, i'm uh uh it's my first time working for apple who are producing it yeah. um I, you know there's a there's a lot of physical preparation mm-hmm. for this movie which i'm it's going to be a very, very dry, lonely Christmas. Yeah, but,
0: uh, that's, that's, that's uh, the worst I'm time to it on get board, a, yeah. a dream roll like that, right? I, I always, I always, <laughs> yeah. I'm an MMA fan, and I always look sympathetically at the people who've got fights booked at, at the beginning of January because you're like, oh yeah, you know yeah. they're going to have to have uh, a sucks. rubbish Christmas because they're going to be right at that point of their training camp where who's your, who's your, uh, who are your
1: top two fighters right now? Do you think?
0: Um, well, there's a guy called Ryan Hall that isn't even like storming things but his style is so unique he's a real bjj yeah. specialist so i'd i'd put ryan hall in there and then outside of that it's tough man i'm really turned off by the mcgregor type yeah. nonsense the hype yeah all the all and and just the root i don't mind a bit of hype but just being a prick, it's what we were we we're talking about yeah earlier. yeah yeah do, do whatever you need to do to get into the zone but you shouldn't be affecting everyone yeah. around you negatively. So yeah. outside of that... There's a way of doing it Probably like Chael Sonnen used to yeah. really know how to do it properly. He used to have it so beautifully scripted. I, 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 yeah. I reference it all the time, but I remember when he had a lot of death threats from Brazil. Yeah. Um, he was saying, you know, someone in an interview said, how do you feel about the death threats? Do you feel in trouble going out there to fight? And he said, yeah. look, I get it, you know, and anyone out there who wants to see the end of Chelsea Send anyone you want. Just don't send anyone you want back. It just it's such a movie line. It's such a movie line. He paused and turned to camera and everything. Send anyone you want. Just don't that's send fantastic. anyone you want back. It's like,
1: that's fantastic. Oh, I goal. love that. What a, what a line. Yeah. What a line. So I used good. to love. I love what he said about cutting weight. Where he just said, "I never cut weight. Yeah. I'm always ready. Yeah. Let them cut yeah. weight and be weak. Yeah. But like, yeah. I, this is how I fight. I just stay here all year round. Stay you ready. Know. I love it. Stay ready. You know that's the way to do it."
0: Well, man, it's been an absolute pleasure, and it's one of those oh, we things. We could talk for hours, mate. It's exactly right. that, but it's one of those things where I love when a podcast kind of happens at the right time. Do you know yeah. what I mean? As I said yeah, yeah, I wanted yeah. you on a year or so ago, but this was the right time for our, yeah. our first yeah, chat, mate. and and the next yeah, chat will be,
1: will be onwards. But oh, please, yeah, anytime. I'm, I'm more than happy. I'm such a fan. I'm, I'm happy to come back anytime, mate. I love it. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome, brother. You've been listening to Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces.
0: There we go. That was Yusef, And I'm pretty sure I've pronounced his surname slightly differently every time I've said it within the interview and in the intro. So um, that's a treat for you. <laughs> He's a great guy, isn't he? I told you he was good. I, as, as I've said, I really enjoyed that chat. And to the extent I've reached out to him s- several times since to say, man... I really felt a kinship and connection. As I say every now and then, it's really nice when a podcast that you've been kind of thinking about doing for a while comes at a certain time and you feel it was the perfect time rather than thinking, oh, we should have had this chat weeks ago or months ago or years ago. In many cases, it felt like the perfect timing. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. I'll be back next week as ever with more amazing conversations with amazing people. I'm so lucky in this job, man, to... To get to have all these chats, you hear from this these these conversations, and this week's a prime example. You hear how much I enjoy and relish getting to hear these stories, ask these questions, and engage with these amazing people week after week. And have you lot tune in and listen and interact and consume the the art and materials that are mentioned and and put out through the podcast as well. So, God bless you all. As said. I'll see you all next week. Until then, stay sane and stay safe. ta